And here we go again. Welcome to the Capo Podcast. You can probably hear my child down in the first floor screaming and having fun, not wanting to go to bed. Uh, But uh, if you can, just try to ignore that or just embrace it as I do. Um, And welcome to another episode. It's been longer than I intended. Um, I thought I just did an episode the other day and then I got to looking back and it's been almost 15 days since I've done anything. So it's probably time that we do an episode with all the stuff going on in the world with shootings and monkey pox and all that good stuff. So uh, I'm just going to do a short episode today. This is not the, uh, we're not quite to the Lord of the Flies episode yet. We're not to the end of the month. I really hope that people are reading Lord of the Flies or at, or at least looking into it, seeing what it's about. We'll, we'll probably talk about it just a little bit when I get towards the end of this uh, podcast, uh, but um, I want to start with some other stuff. I want to start with what has been going on in the, in the world because there's a new thing for us all to be horrified of and a new thing that the media is trying to gin up fear about and it's called monkeypox. So first let's talk about monkeypox. So monkeypox has kind of been going on all week long uh, or for the past week and a half or so and I kind of think that they're going to start backing off of it real quick I don't think they're going to try to devote an entire two years to it like they did with COVID, but they are still kind of making a big deal about it. Um, and I, people are wondering why, because it's it's not like COVID, um, or it's it's not like a lot of things. It doesn't have a it's it's not as transferable, it's not as contagious, it's not as dangerous, I guess, by by the standards of what the last two years have looked like, but they still want to gin up the fear, because that's really what it's about. It's about fear, and it's especially about ginning stuff up because it's the midterms. The midterms are coming up, the midterms are supposed to be really important this year, Uh, And more on the midterms in just a second, but what is monkeypox? If you haven't heard about it yet, uh, according to everything that's coming out right now, it sounds like you're pretty safe from the monkeypox unless you are frequenting gay bathhouses and having gay sex. So it seems like the virus isn't very easy to transmit. It transmits through prolonged contact with bodily fluids. You know, gross. So the people who are most at risk are gay men who are having promiscuous sex. But the media can't really harp on that too much because you aren't allowed to say anything bad about the sodomites, that isn't allowed. Which is why I kind of think, uh, <clears throat> I kind of think they're going to start backing off of it, because even the even the CDC has and other people have released some stuff and kind of come out and said, yes, this is if you're gay or if you're having sex with men, you probably need to be careful. Uh, 
But I think it's really funny because they're not going to tell the gays to stop having gay sex. They're not going to tell them to, hey, maybe we should close down these bathhouse orgies that are going on. Maybe we maybe we shouldn't have the uh, the pride festival. You know, it's almost June and that's gay gay something month. Um, but for two years, starting in 2020 and going all the way through, you know, all the way up to 2022, they told you that you had to stop living your life. They told you that you couldn't go to church anymore. You couldn't go to all the, all the normal things you're, you're used to. They told everybody to quit living their life. I mean, they, they were arresting people for going to the beach and walking their dog. But you know they're not going to tell the gays to stop doing their gross, humid bathhouse orgies. Of course they're not going to do that. Because that is a priority for the, the elites, the people in charge. They want that. They don't want you being in a committed traditional marriage, having kids and taking them to church. They would, they would prefer that you were doing gay stuff and parading down the street, flaunting how proud you are of your deviant lifestyle. They'd prefer that. <clears throat> They'd prefer if you were trying to groom your little girls into cutting their breast off or your little boys into chemically castrating themselves to affirm their you know, gender identity before they're even in middle school. But they definitely don't want you being traditional or going to church or getting married or having a family. Um, and the obvious logical question is why don't they want that? Because one of those things, just common sense and even statistically provides a better framework for a society, a more stable framework, but they obviously don't want that. So why do they prefer the rainbow flag waving LGBTQ WXYZ American to the conservative Christian American? And I'm going to let you think about that yourself and, and try to puzzle it out yourself for a while. I'm, I'm just going to let you think about that. Uh... As far as it goes with the monkeypox and why they're ginning up that fear, it's it's for a lot of different reasons, but the, there's some big ones. And the first one is it's a distraction. It's a distraction from the gas prices. It's a distraction from the baby formula shortages. It's a distraction from rising crime rates. Uh, it's a distraction from the grooming that's going on in public schools. The open Marxism in all popular culture and higher academia and it's a distraction from these uh, food shortages and rising diesel and gas prices that are going to keep going up and uh, things aren't going super great and that's a problem for the people who are in charge because the democrat party currently runs the white house the executive branch the congress and the senate the uh the legislative branch and they kind of are 50-50 almost on the judicial branch with uh, 
they're not going to paint it that way because, of course, they're talking about, oh my gosh, turning Roe versus Wade over and letting states decide on abortion. And so all the, the modern media are painting the Supreme Court as if it's this super-duper conservative thing. It's really not. It's kind of, uh, I would say, a couple of the justices are pretty conservative, and then you've got, just like the Senate or the Congress, you've got a lot of, you know, quote-unquote moderate types. But uh, at the end of the day, it's all politics. I mean, all of it. Um, A lot of, if not everyone, on the right is watching everything going on, and they're salivating at this thought of this huge red wave that's coming in November. And a lot of people on the right are talking about this, how there's going to be this huge red wave, how the Democrats are just going to get shellacked in November when it comes to the House and the Senate. And so the Democrats are doing everything they can to keep that from happening. It's just politics and it's logical. But what I think that maybe is a little different than some people on the right, I'm not so sure about this uh, massive red wave that's supposedly coming. I kind of think it's not going to be as huge as everybody thinks it is at this point. And I think that because of, well, more than one thing, but for an example, just I think last week or maybe the week before that, the the Ukrainian $40 billion bill that just passed, and it passed with bipartisan support, and you've got a lot of people in the Republican base that are absolutely disgusted with their leadership, that are pissed off about the $40 billion going to Ukraine when we have all these very serious problems that are going on at home that nobody seems to really be addressing. Um, You've got people like uh, Ted Cruz and Dan Crenshaw, and they voted for this bill, this Ukrainian $40 billion dollars. And they have lost supporters forever over that decision. And they have to know that at least to some point. But I don't think they understand how how much that pissed off their base. Because the conservative base is pissed. Um, <clears throat> and it doesn't really matter whether or not that the conservative section of the base is really justified to be as pissed as they are, it doesn't matter because they are that pissed. Uh, I don't know <clears throat> if those guys that voted for it get that. Uh, they're, they're pointing at the long game, the strategic kind of game of bleeding Russia and Ukraine because they can see that Russia is not in great shape right now. And if they keep losing in Ukraine and the war keeps grinding on, and Europe keeps hitting Russia with sanctions, it's completely possible that Russia will kind of cease to be any sort of power anymore. And that's what a lot of the Republicans are voting for this Ukrainian bill for. That's why they're doing it. And a lot of them are really invested, uh, others of them, are really invested in the military-industrial complex, and they make an ungodly amount of money on war because their nephews and Sons and daughters and cousins all work for 
Lockheed Martin and Raytheon and Boeing and all these other people who make a whole bunch of money on war. But let's just, let's put the best construction on it and say that they're doing it exactly for the reasons that they say they're doing it for. To beat Russia without having to actually fight an open war with Russia. Maybe that's a good call. Maybe it's not. But I don't honestly think it matters in the short term for the average conservative or libertarian in the kind of Republican base. We We are swinging back toward this kind of focus on ourselves. Some people would call it isolationism, but... It's this mindset that says we don't want to be the world's police anymore. We we don't want to be involved all around the world when we have problems at home. And again, it doesn't matter if this is the right mindset or the right call or the right way to look at it. That's where we are as a country. That's what most of the country thinks. So people like Cruz and Crenshaw, they have lost the support of their base, of the people who really go out and support them. And I don't know if they'll get it back at this point. People have short memories, but uh, unlike, you know, moderate Republicans or Democrats who have the memories of goldfish, most of the conservative base feel that betrayal, and they remember it a little better. And then they are brutal about taking down those people who they view as traitors. And I would say, as somebody who's kind of a a member of the conservative right, this is something I don't feel that is maybe a great thing about our side. Um, they, They like to focus more on we, I would say we, we almost focus more energy on hating people who we view as traitors to conservatism, then we will focus our energy on people that are that are like on the furthest left. Like when somebody like Ted Cruz does something that pisses off the conservative base, those conservatives will end up hating Ted Cruz worse than they hate Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And that doesn't make a lot of sense, but I feel like it's the truth. And there are there are a lot of people and I'm using Ted Cruz as an example because up until you know a few weeks ago, he was kind of the person who you would look at in the Senate as being a pretty strong conservative voice, unlike all of the kind of old old guard fake Republicans who might as well be Democrats, like your Mitt Romneys and those types. But all of a sudden, everybody in the base is viewing him just as bad. And I don't know if if people remember, but it was a really tight race, or a relatively tight race, the last time Ted Cruz ran and beat Beto, who's going to run for governor. And uh, I think everybody's forgetting that, but uh, but it was pretty tight. And a lot of those people who helped Cruz go over the top and beat Beto, they're not going to vote for him again. They might even just stay home and not vote. And this is going to turn Texas bluer, and everyone's going to stamp their foot, and they're going to rage at people 
for staying home, but it's really not going to matter at that point. And that's kind of what I see happening. And that's not the only problem that we have. Uh, After 2020, there's this other large block of people in the kind of Republican base, in the Republican camp, that were, you know, 100% Trump people who are now convinced that it doesn't matter if they go vote or not. Whether or not they're right, again, whether or not they're right about this doesn't really matter. That's where they are, and they're they're very stubborn about it. That's what they believe. Uh, I think it was last week that that documentary, 2,000 Mules, came out a week or two ago, and it showed a lot of really damning evidence of election fraud in the 2020 election, and most of the major Republican news stations, like Fox, have really done their best to ignore it. And that is pissing those people off even more. And if you don't think people are are petty enough to give you the finger and stay home and just suffer the consequences, well... You you aren't a very good student of humans, if that's what you think. Because people are totally ready to stay home and suffer, you know, a Democrat because they're pissed off. So, everybody's talking about this big red wave, and I, <clears throat> I don't know. I think we might end up with a uh, maybe a red ripple instead. The conservative side of America has watched for so long... And they've become more and more disenchanted with how things are going. That they are starting to give up on fixing it. And that sucks. But it's the truth. From, from where I'm sitting, from what I see, that's, that's what's going on. People either get apathetic or they get so pissed that they can't quite see straight or even listen to logic anymore. And... For an example of this that's not political, uh, I see this with the Black Rifle Coffee Company because there's a new backlash going on against Black Rifle. And I say new backlash, but it goes all the way back to two years ago where they're, they're still having to deal with the fallout of the, the Kyle Rittenhouse Kenosha BLM thing from two years ago. And... Over the last two years, it's kind of festered and metastasized to the point where there's a lot of people on the right that are convinced that Black Rifle Coffee is this woke, liberal company that supports Black Lives Matter. Now, that's not true, and it's, it's really not that fair, but it doesn't really seem to matter at this point because a lot of people on the right, have made up their minds about it. And if you don't remember that, here's kind of just like a a quick and dirty of it. There was uh, the riots in Kenosha, the BLM riots, and you had Kyle Rittenhouse, who was 17, and, I don't know, we were calling him the Kenosha kid at the time, who defended himself against people trying to kill him and killed a couple child molesters and another criminal and it was awesome and uh the whole country was up in arms 
condemning Rittenhouse of of the Kenosha shooting. And I say the whole country. I mean most of the country. The only people who were supporting Kyle were the hardcore, super conservative, kind of gun-toting people like myself who were calling him the Kenosha kid and cheering him on and saying that he did the absolutely right thing and, you know, canonizing him. While all this was going on, most of the country was dead set against him and doing everything they could to destroy him. And during that time, this picture surfaced of Kyle Rittenhouse wearing a Black Rifle coffee t-shirt. And this caused this big stir online, and all these people on the left were saying, look, Black Rifle Coffee is sponsoring, you know, this white racist murderer, Kyle Rittenhouse. And so Evan Hafer, the CEO of Black Rifle, he released this very simple statement where he said, you know, he all he said was that Black Rifle Coffee is not sponsoring Kyle Rittenhouse. He didn't say that they thought Rittenhouse was wrong. He didn't say that Black Rifle Coffee supports BLM. He just said, no, we're not officially sponsoring the 17-year-old boy in Kenosha. And there was this furious backlash from the right. The right felt betrayed by Black Rifle Coffee. They thought, how dare they not support Kyle Rittenhouse openly? And I, for one, completely understand that. I get it. I understand it wholeheartedly because that was kind of this moment for everyone where it was, okay, people can't sit on the fence anymore. Everybody has to kind of, you you have to decide who you're going to be right now. Now, over the next few days during kind of all the fallout of this, Black Rifle Coffee, Evan Hafer came out and he explained kind of, again, very simply that he and Black Rifle Coffee did not want to publicize or politicize or profit off of a 17-year-old kid who's a minor or off of this shooting in Kenosha. They did not view that as morally correct. And that makes perfectly logical sense, and it's perfectly reasonable, and it's even noble, I would say. But it did not matter, because the shitstorm was underway, and a lot of the outspoken conservatives were already too damn mad about this perceived betrayal to listen to any sort of explanation about it. And so before you know it, there's all these people on the right who are just openly saying that Black Black Rifle Coffee is a fake company that loves BLM and Hillary Clinton. And if anyone said anything to disagree, they were just as bad and they're secretly communists themselves and yada, yada, yada. And then they're... I think this was the saddest part. There, there were a lot of like Black Rifle Coffee competitors that fanned these flames for obviously financial reasons because they saw that they could they could uh, head off a portion of Black Rifle Coffee's 
customers and kind of take them for themselves if they fan the flames of this. And I feel like that's pretty scummy and kind of, you know, not not a very moral thing to do. But none of that matters. Like I said, a lot of conservatives are so tired of all the bullshit, and rightly so, that they have no time or patience for anything but 100% support of exactly everything as they want it. And if somebody disagrees with them on one thing, they're going to give them the finger, turn up their nose, and stay home out of spite. And I get that. I get it. But it is probably going to hurt us in the midterms. Not probably. It's going to hurt us in the midterms. That's my projection on the midterms. And what about 2024? Uh, I already don't look like don't like the looks of 2024 either, because Trump keeps saying that he's going to run, and that's a mistake. If if for no other reason, then he's way too old. I don't know why we've got to this place in the country where we can only vote for people who are a hundred years old, but we need to get over it. Uh, and that's not the only reason. I mean, and this is where I'm going to piss off a lot of my fellow conservatives. Trump isn't a conservative. He is a populist. He isn't all that strong on guns. He isn't a strong conservative Christian. He just isn't. But he has that star power, and people are just awed by him. And they're loyal to the point of a hundred percent or nothing. If if I can't have Trump, then I'm not going to vote. And there's no point anyway, yada 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 yada. There's a lot of people like that out there. And sadly that's just where we are. We've lost the thread of making our political decisions based on reason and logic and philosophy. We don't even know our own philosophy anymore on either side. Traditional conservatives don't understand philosophical conservatism. We don't understand, you know, that John Lockean classical liberalism, which is the foundation of political thought for the country. We're collectively pretty ignorant of what natural rights and natural law are. And we've got to the point that we are making our political decisions based upon emotion and you know demagoguery no nobody wants to hear that cuz it pisses everybody off but that's i mean that's the truth that's where we are uh we want to say that about the left that they're all about emotion and there's no substance to them and that's completely true they are they don't understand that all this woke insanity and race hustling is just marxism and self-worship in the extreme, but we're kind of getting there too, gang. We're we're angry, and we have every right to be, but it isn't going to help us win anything, not on a national level. But uh, but honestly, I don't know if it would even help if we were calm and cool and collected either, because all of this is. All these problems are just symptoms of the real bigger problem. 
And that bigger problem is, and I've talked about this before, but we are we are a tale of two cities. We are two cultures, or even more than two cultures, being forced together, and it's causing us a lot of friction. We don't hold the same values or ideas or morality anymore. We just don't. And what does all that mean? Where is all that leading? I don't know. I've got ideas, and you've heard all those ideas before in previous episodes, so I won't harp on them too much again. You know, go go back and listen to Tyrants and Savages. Go back and listen to American Dystopia. Go back and listen to God and the Truth or or the American Renaissance Parts 1 and 2. I mean, that's where I think all this is heading. And if you've been following me for that long, you, you know that. So... I guess what I'll say is it's hard to not look at all of it through, in my opinion, it's hard to not look look at everything through a, a religious lens to fully understand it and kind of accept that, uh, that maybe America and the idea of being American isn't and shouldn't be the most important thing that you lift up and set your eyes on. After all, our, our country is just another country, another country in a long history of countless other countries and nations and empires. And yes, we are a great country. I'd say the greatest one that ever existed in recorded history. But cultures and countries are like anything else that's man-made. And you you shouldn't put your highest faith in it because in the end, human nature always gets the best of us. And I think we conservatives would do well to remember that and to turn our eyes towards something that's greater than the American flag and the bald eagle. If we do that then you know maybe we can come out on the other end of whatever happens a little less chaotic and bloody and torn up if we do that on a on a community level maybe we can keep the peace or at least band together and defend our children if the worst comes to the absolute worst so I guess I would say turn your eyes to the, the power that's higher and more reliable and lasting than human empires. And that places the cross. And I try not to preach to you guys too much, but that's my take on it. Um, so I'm 30 minutes in. Um, I guess what I'll say is uh, make sure you read Lord of the Flies. And I, I think Lord of the Flies is a a perfect book for our first book book study because it plays into all these ideas <clears throat> that I've been talking about the whole time. It plays into this idea that I, that I talked about today um, right before I sat down to do this podcast. I saw that there was another shooting today in Uvalde, Texas, which is a pretty small town. It's It's smaller than Woodward, Oklahoma, which is about an hour away from me, and most people consider Woodward a small town. I mean, I don't, because I live in a town of a thousand people, but Uvalde has like 15,000, 
and I think that's how you pronounce it, is Uvalde. But uh, an 18-year-old Hispanic boy, I'm going to say boy because even though he's 18 and I think he's dead, but he, if he was alive, they should damn sure try him as an adult. But 18 is pretty young. That doesn't that doesn't mean what he did doesn't deserve to be hung from a street lamp with piano wire because that's what I would fucking do if I got a hold of him. But anyways, he uh, he shot up a school and sounds like he killed. By the time I'm doing this podcast, it was 14 elementary school kids and one teacher, but there was a lot injured, so that number's going to go up. But uh, I think our book study plays into this well, because this is something I said earlier this month when I told you why we're going to do Lord of the Flies. I told you after kind of paying attention and being in the public school system for five years, uh, I think the thing I kept repeating is the kids are not okay. And I told you, I don't mean every single kid. I don't mean it's all the kids. What I do mean is that we are, the millennials and the Gen Xers are currently raising a generation of kids who are raising themselves to a degree. And they, they're growing up in this world where pop culture and everything they see tells them that um, all the old ways of the world, religion, morality, all these tired old ideas are gone and over and and they're they're kind of coming into this new world where we're not going to have all that anymore. It's going to be this new place with new stuff and new things. And uh, that's a product of kind of... I really think the millennial generation is the most to blame for it. But it's not that different than what happened in the late Enlightenment in Europe of getting rid of God and getting rid of morality. And uh, which is when uh, Lord of the Flies was written in the early 1950s and the book starts with a a group of kids adolescent kids that are about i don't know age age 12 and down and they are on this island and their first the main character's first thought is there's no grown-ups so this is going to be a lot of fun there's no supervision. There is no... None of the old, like, rules are in place. And there's nobody to tell us what to do. There's nobody to enforce all these laws on us. And his his initial idea is that this is going to be a paradise. And I think that's kind of what uh, kids today... That's, that's kind of what uh, the world they're walking into. Oh, we're, we've gotten rid of all this old, tired morality stuff and all the stupid old Christian stuff. We've got rid of that and we're going to live in this new, progressive, amazing world. And uh, if you've started reading Lord of the Flies, you'll notice by the very early in the book, by chapter two, it becomes clear immediately that this this world isn't going to be all sunshine and rainbows and paradise. That's not going to happen. 
And instead, really early on, if you read it and really understand what's going on, it becomes horrifying very early. And I think that's what you're seeing in a lot of the in a lot of the kids that are growing up in America today with no direction, no parents. They're being raised by the internet. And as I said before, that's you might as well be sending them directly to the, you know, the school for for demons. If you're going to let the internet raise your kid, it's like sending your kid to school with all the most psychopathic people that exist at where they can say whatever they want. And, and so what you're seeing is a lot of kids that have no grounded roots in any sort of morality. It is just nihilism and, and horrifying Darwinian, whoever's the strongest kind of gets to do whatever they want. And, uh, my take on the, on these school shootings and people doing awful, horrible, terrible, evil things is just that you're seeing people who don't believe in any sort of moral framework, don't have any moral thought, don't have any sort of moral upbringing that don't think that uh, anything really matters. And so for that for that guy in Uvalde that went into that elementary school and murdered 14 children, that wasn't anything to him. He he did not he didn't feel anything about it because he's one of these kids who has no moral anchor. And if there's nothing that is right and wrong, if if we're all just living in this new progressive postmodernist world where right and wrong don't really exist and morality is only what we decide it is, then what is wrong with murdering children? If you don't believe there's anything that's inherently good or inherently right, if you believe there's no such thing as inherent truth or inherent goodness... If that is your point of view, then you explain to me why killing children is wrong. You can't. You can't defend that position if you're starting from the place where right and wrong don't exist. It's only what we decide is right and wrong as a society. And uh, that's just a bad place to be, gang. And that's, that's where we are, which is why... My advice to you is if you're not somebody who who has any firearms, if you're not somebody who carries a gun, you should probably get some training. You should learn how to safely operate a firearm, uh, and you should buy one, and you should train with it. Because the only thing that stops these things is yourself. Nobody's coming to save you. The, the police aren't coming to save you. Uh, nobody is. The only person that's going to be able to save you is yourself. And you can't do that unless you have the tools and the training and the mindset to do it. And uh, if you allow pop culture and Hollywood and, and everybody to tell you that you should be helpless... 
and that you should not own any guns and that you should be just this person who's going to cower in a corner and wait on somebody to come save you, well, I don't know what to tell you. Um, you, That's not the mindset that you should adopt because that mindset does nothing for you. When, When the wolf's at the door... That mindset does nothing for you but uh, leaves you crying in the corner and hoping that somebody's going to show up, hoping that somebody with a gun is going to come and shoot the bad guy because that is what stops these things is when somebody comes with a gun to shoot the bad guy. And if you train properly and you own a gun and you uh, and you don't let... Uh, don't like people stop you from being that person who can protect yourself, then you you might not stop him. You might get killed. I mean, you, you might stand up to shoot him and he blows your head off. But that's, I would say that is better than laying there crying into your hands and trying to cover your head with your arms while waiting to die. Uh, so that's my two cents on that. Um, just evil all around you, gang. Again, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll reiterate what I said before. You need to turn your eyes to, to that higher power and away from, you know, away from everything else because, uh, there's not a lot else you can do. You can be self-sufficient. You can be... You can be trained, you can do everything you can to protect yourself, and then you can give it all else to God. That'd be my, uh, that would be my suggestion on what you should do. And uh, I'll probably do some, I might do a gun episode before too long, because I feel like there's a lot of people out there listening that maybe know a little bit about guns. I'm not telling you I'm a gun expert. I know a little bit I know more than a lot of people about concealed carry and about shooting and about what what's a good option to to reliably carry every day. So I might do an episode on concealed carry in the future. Um, I'm not sure how long I could make it, but uh, but I'll try that in the future. For now, I'm going to sign off. Uh, the next episode at the end of the month will be the Lord of the Flies book club episode, and I will see you all for that one. Have a good evening. Thank you for your time.